don't know. I guess I'm starting to ask myself, what is it that I'm defending so vehemently? Yeah. Why am I so charged up? Really? You know, what is, what is feeling threatened in me? Hmm. You know? Um, and I think part of what I'm getting to is maybe I'm, maybe I'm defending myself not because I feel wrongly accused, but because I'm afraid she may be right about, mm. you know, and I think if I admit, admit that, fess up to it, um, that it'll confirm my judgments of myself. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about to another episode of relationships let's talk about it and in this episode defensiveness i have a conversation with a returning guest and a very good friend of mine greg lavoy and we talk about that topic that many many people have some issues how to deal with defensiveness the right and wrong the big desire to just win you know when Couples are discussing things it seems like two lawyers are discussing and defending their cases like they're defending their lives. We talk about how defensiveness comes up in our relationships, how we deal with them and how we come back and repair, the mindset to overcome defensiveness, a lot of stuff that we cover. It's pretty juicy. So those of you that are first-time listeners with a conversation with Greg Lavoie, I'll tell you a little bit about him. Greg's work and his passion are helping you get to the heart of what makes you passionate. It's about what makes you come alive, both finding a passion as with his first book, Callings, Finding and Following an Authentic Life, and in Living Passionately, as with his new book, Vital Signs, Discovering and Sustaining Your Passion for Life. Greg is a highly sought after lecturer and workshop facilitator on callings and passion. And like I said, he's a dear, dear friend of mine. He now lives in Santa Cruz, California. And when he was living in Asheville, North Carolina, we would get together least twice a month for over 20 years. So I miss my brother. And before we get on to that conversation, there's a few things I want to mention. There is still space available for my coaching groups for individuals. The focus of this group is creating healthy boundaries and expressing needs. And this starts in mid-October. We will get together live on Zoom twice a month, total of three months. So that's six sessions in a coaching group, really diving into the subject of boundaries and expressing needs. 
You can get more information and sign up through my website, prepo.com. And I want to thank a couple of recent donors. I'd like to thank Beth from Tennessee and Dalibor from Czech Republic. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. And if those of you would like to support the podcast financially, you can go to my website, prepo.com, click on support the podcast page, leave a one-time donation or a reoccurring donation. I would greatly appreciate your support on that. Thank you. And on my website, you can also sign up for my newsletter, which you're going to get some valuable relationship tips and also some inspirational stories and tell you a little bit more about my work that's coming in the forms of coaching groups and workshops, etc. Okay, everybody, sending you all lots of love, lots of moments of peace and connection with your loved ones. So here we go. Conversation on defensiveness with my friend Greg Lavoy. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. Here we go. All right, my man. <laughs> Thanks for the chat that we just had and catching up in our lives. Yeah, that. absolutely. Wonderful to see you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love when we uh, jumped on what kind of subject do we want to do? I think we we did that a few months ago and and we're staying with the with the topic that I think everybody grapples with and mm. and uh, I'm excited to kind of get juiced into the topic around defensiveness because you've got some real time stuff that you're going to be sharing, and that's going to be wonderful. yeah, you yeah. got real time stuff too it, it's up mm. yeah. it's cool. So what made you what made you want to venture and, and write about it? You wrote about it in an article in Psychology Today. What's the title of it? Oh, honestly, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I think it was something like the surprising and transformative um, power, something like that, of defensiveness. Um, mm, anyway, it was just an observation I've made dealing with it in my relationship, my primary relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was really struck by what a nerve it struck in other people mm. I got like the third most hits of anything I've done on that blog in almost a decade. Huh. Um, so that was gratifying, but it, I suggested it because it's up for me and I'm, I'm really trying to deconstruct my relationship to defensiveness in my primary relationship. So it's really on the radar screen, which is why I thought this would be a timely time to do it. Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest things, isn't it, Greg, of like catching yourself and owning that you're being defensive. Like that, <laughs> that's the biggest part of, of defensiveness because, you know, that stops it in its tracks as opposed to being defensive about being defensive, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's one from the easier said than done <laughs> department. If ever there was one, Yeah, you know, I'm um, so, I'm inclined to share some of the personal um, reflections I've got about how about this subject for me, mm-hmm. but I kind of want to couch it in just one little kind of item of, 
about a larger context. So I don't know how many of the listeners are familiar with this guy, but you certainly are. The psychologist John Gottman, mm-hmm. right? He's yeah. famous for his work on divorce prediction, <laughs> among right. other things. And I remember reading um, that he he says he can predict with something like 95 or 96 percent accuracy the outcome of a conflict in the first three minutes of listening to a couple have at it and and the fate of the marriage within five minutes and what he said he was looking for is what he called the four horsemen of the apocalypse remember this oh yeah Mm. and these are just behaviors that if you if they're kind of unrestrained and unresolved can I guess, have an apocalyptic impact on a relationship. And one of those is defensiveness. Yep. Um, do you remember the other three? Uh, contempt, uh, yeah. anger, uh, criticism, criticism and stonewalling, stonewalling. Yep. Those were the four, right. uh, meaning just shutting down, I guess. Um, so anyway, I just, I just wanted to set that because it's that big. It's, this guy is one of the most famous um, couples therapists in the world. And he's saying defensiveness is one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Um, so I just want to set it in the context of this is, I guess, pretty universal. I mean, he says um, everybody rides their four horsemen into battle at some point or another, even in a healthy relationship. Um, and I, but I guess it's like you said, the ability to catch yourself that is really key to what he calls repair, which I think is such an interesting word in this context, because you break it down, repair, yeah, to rejoin, to reconnect. Um, so <clears throat> that's been a really crucial understanding for me, this idea. Okay, so early in my speaking career, somebody told me that if you ever find yourself in a position, Greg, where you're being challenged by an audience member, don't get defensive. He said, do not ever get defensive because all that's going to do is throw your insecurities into high relief in front of everybody. Hmm. And he said, just thank them for their share and either move on or ask them to elaborate. And that piece is really key for me. Um, cutting to the chase when I get defensive because um, I'm what I'm starting to realize is that attacks or criticism or complaints or even just disagreements coming to me from my partner, they say more about her than they do about me. In other words, they say more about the person quote attacking than they do about the person being attacked. And again, I put that in big quotes. That's a really that's been a really critical understanding for me. And one I wish honestly that I understood better or at least acted on more frequently. So when my partner, for instance, um, you know, registers a complaint or uh, even a criticism or says she's hurt by something I did or something I said or something I didn't do or didn't say, it's so important for me Um, And for the conversation that follows and the prospects of repair and all that to understand that she's not trying to attack me. She's trying to communicate something about herself and that I should focus on that. Mm. 
So focus on being curious about what that is that she needs. What that is, rather than defending myself, is like, okay, she's trying to communicate something um, about herself and her needs. And um, I wish I had more often the the where, wherewithal to not get swallowed up in my own, whatever, embarrassment, my sense of shame about what I might have done or guilt or reactivity or... Jesus, you know, flashbacks to childhood mm-hmm. and just focus on the feelings and the needs that she's expressing, even if she doesn't name them as such outright, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, instead of doing what I often do, which is I didn't exactly say that <laughs> or, you know, or I, I didn't mean that. Well, let me clarify something for a moment here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you're or you're being oversensitive or anything you know like that i should say tell me more yeah Uh, so wondering what your reflections on that piece i I think that's the best sentence that most men could ever say in their whole (laughs) life (laughs) tell me more honey tell Mm. me it's not placating it it is the aspect of i want to show that i'm curious i want to know more about what's going on instead of again shutting you down uh disregarding you arguing and you know you didn't mention this but it sounds like through your words oh one part of that is our greatest addiction to being right you know that's a huge one in defensiveness nope 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 it was tuesday it wasn't wednesday you know yeah fuck who cares oh my god oh unfortunately i care a lot in those circumstances (laughs) and you know what i'm starting to get a hit on people is um i don't know i guess i'm starting to ask myself what is it that i'm defending so vehemently yeah why am i so charged up really you know what is what is feeling threatened in me Hmm. you know um and i think part of what i'm getting to is maybe i'm maybe i'm defending myself not because i feel wrongly accused but because i'm afraid she may be right about Mm. I've acted poorly or made a mistake or said something thoughtless or acted selfishly or, you know, and I think if I admit, admit that fess up to it, um, that it'll confirm my judgments of myself, Mm. you know, that here's a place where I fall short from my aspirations of who I want to be. And it pisses me off that somebody else is pointing it out to me. Um, so it's like my defensiveness may not come from disagreeing with her, but the shame of agreeing with her. Exactly. Exactly. The defensiveness of being able to one way to cope with it is to be defensive and argue back instead of and, exposing ourselves to the shame. To feel yeah. Shame. Try to foist it on her. I mm-hmm. love this line. Uh, so what's your part? <laughs> <laughs> what's your part in all this? Exactly. Right. Um, and, um, I don't know. I just, the stuff I see myself do in retrospect, I wish can, I, this wasn't in name, retrospect. Can you name that I saw. recently? Is what? Can you name anything that you did recently? E- well, recently. Um, oh, uh, uh, let me see. Yeah. I, um, we had, uh, we had a round, um, I don't know, maybe a month ago. And what I saw myself do, and I cataloged it after the fact, after we had blown our way through each other's composure and just 
just really made a mess. Um, I realized I, um, I turned it back on her. I literally said, so what's your part? Um, I dredged up some old beef I had about her rather than focusing on the current issue. Right. So I guess that'd be called like kitchen sinking. Yep. Um, I made a couple of, um, what I thought were dandy excuses for my behavior. <laughs> I, I, I definitely use used and use interruption as like a, a military maneuver, a tactical weapon. Mm. And then sometimes I just fall to um, diagnosing her. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, your problem is kind of a remark. Um, I definitely try to pick apart her arguments. I look for any little um, inconsistency in her argument or flaw in her logic or, um, like you said, anything to win. And I flashed on a therapist when I was in couples counseling with my ex-wife. He said, okay, so you won. Where's your trophy? And um, this desire to win is ferocious. Yeah. And um, I think I'm, again, I'm partly maybe I'm trying to win um, feeling good about myself again. And I'm afraid that if she sees my flaws, my mistakes, my thoughtlessness, my selfishness, um, which is often what makes her hurt and makes her bring that up, I'm afraid she won't love me. Mm. I'm afraid she'll go away. I'm afraid of losing connection and afraid of her perceiving me as a creep <laughs> yeah. or, or a jerk. Right. Just and I'm trying to change your mind. Yeah, I think I'm yeah. A part and, of it. and the, the irony about that is when we have that strong defensive structure around that, it that's what we end up doing anyway. We push our partner away to probably leave leave us because of how we're how we're acting. The thing that yeah. we don't want and the defensive structure that we're doing is actually what's gonna push them away. Yeah. yeah. And uh one of the hardest things somebody um told me this yesterday, in fact, uh in my circling group. Um, he said, um, it's important to set a container before you deal with any issue that's likely to trigger your defensiveness, set a little container. So can I, do you have the bandwidth, honey, <laughs> to give me 10 minutes of attention while I spin out how I'm feeling about something that happened between us? Uh, and I promise you'll get 10 minutes of un uninterrupted time. And I want you to know that my intention is not to vent. My intention, he said, is to repair and to reconnect with you. Hmm. And I just thought that was, I'm going to try that. <laughs> I'm yeah. definitely going to try the hell out of that. This yeah. idea of just setting the container, setting the intention and stating it. Yeah, that's wonderful because the intention, when you set the intention, if you veer off of it, either one of you, then you can remember what your intention was. If you don't have an right. intention, how do you come back? How do you write that repair? Right. Yeah. So, but stating that more upfront than I do, yeah. it's like, I want you to know I'm, I'm hurt. I do feel angry, but I don't want to go supernova on you. <laughs> I want to reconnect ultimately. Hmm. Um, and, uh, admitting that I feel triggered and scared and vulnerable. Those are really hard to do when, when my impulse is to defend. 
Right. Really hard to do. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? Well, you know, I've got a pattern of, of having more of a dialogue in myself when I catch that there's a disconnection. Because to me, it's like there's something going on that there's a disconnection. Like the way that we're talking to each other is not kind. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel familiar because we're mm -hmm. more in the place of, of, of connection and appreciation. So something's off. Mm -hmm. And I, I can usually, Rainbow is really good at kind of um, not engaging at times in the, in the defensiveness. Sometimes she she just doesn't want to play it. And then I'm I'm playing by myself. And when you're playing by yourself, you see it <laughs> oh. more, right? I can see that, you know, you know, me, me, you know, saying the the sentence four or five times. Come on, you know, you know, engage with me. And, and that's yeah. easier for me to 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 catch and go, that's just just ridiculous. Mm. Um yeah, I mean, now that would make a really big difference if one of the partners refuse to play yeah well i think that that's that's a that's something to make agreements with each other about hey when one of us has an above water moment that's what we need to do to take care of the relationship so that's not going to happen all the time but at least you know yeah. that one of you is going to take care of the relationship at a at some time and if you, you know what, wins you know like what the, that, that's great i think that's you know the, the what i run into around that though is um sometimes that doesn't even work um i have we have had this interaction i think twice now in in a conflict resolution situation um i will um really stay calm and self-regulate and um ask about feelings and needs and not go into content not argue when she says something i i believe or perceive is not true or didn't happen that way i will like take what I think of is the high ground and that sometimes ticks her off yeah. and she'll provoke me. And afterwards when we're processing it, she said, you know, it made me angry when you came across as Mr. Patient, Mr. Authentic relating skills, Mr. Holding it together in the face of provocation mm -hmm. and, you know, taking that higher ground while I'm still angry and defensive and it shows me up. And I guess I want, she said, I'm not proud of this. I remember her saying, I'm not proud of this, but I guess I want you to get angry too, to be as upset as I am and to not show me up. So, wow, even your best intentions sometimes can turn on you. Well, I think that that's a temporary turn because I think that she would say, ultimately, that's what she wants you to do. Mm. She doesn't want you to just always engage. And that would be ridiculous if, if that happened. You wouldn't repair anything. Uh -huh. Some of that is her own shame of like, don't be better than me. Right? Yeah. Don't show me off. But underneath that, she's probably feeling good on you. That's fantastic that you're. Uh -huh. But I think also, you know, when we learn skills, authentic relating skills, other things, it's hard to embody some of the language that our partner can feel like, oh, you're not just in class, as opposed to, I oh, really yeah. want to feel your empathy. You know, I don't yes. hear, I hear you, I hear you. I hate when people say, it's like, what the fuck do you hear? Don't just tell me, I oh. hear you. I want the sincerity. I don't want the nonviolent communication sentence number two. I don't <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So, so what if you can't get to the sincerity yet? You're triggered and yeah. you saying the right words 
well, but they're not landing with that empathy and sincerity i think you're getting at yeah well i think one is to know that that's part of the process you know you're still trying it on and you're figuring out your authenticity mm. and the other you know is is a self-appreciation of well at least you're trying it may mm. not so authentic but at least you're trying you're not going into the old pattern and fostering uh-huh. the the feeding of defensiveness because if both of you are defensive it's going to be a lot of collateral damage mm. so even though right. even though it might not feel as real it at least creates a different trajectory that's not going to spiral and escalate interesting i'm yeah i really appreciate hearing that i i guess there's a part of me that just wants to honor not not just for my sake but for, for anybody who might be listening to this conversation to really honor how hard it can be yeah. you know i've um you know nonviolent communication has some terrific skills in theory i mean in practice as well but like for instance they say stick to observations not judgments so I, in other words, stick to the facts. This is what happened. But you, you know, I've been in a situation with people where I stick to the facts and the other person says, actually, that's, that's not a fact. That's your perception of how it looked, but that's not actually what happened in my opinion, mm-hmm. or that's not what I said. So there you are in a, he said, she said situation, arguing facts or NVC says, stick to feelings rather than thoughts but it, i've i've been in a situation where i say so this is how it makes me feel and the other person will say what you really mean isn't it is this is how i made you feel so you're really blaming me aren't you and just trying to make it sound pc but my point in these examples prepo is um <laughs> all of my good intentions can sometimes be backfire or go off the rails um uh i I just i've been in the situation so i'm just you know a tip of the hat to how challenging it can be when somebody does that and it's um it takes tremendous patience and restraint is what i'm saying not to react to that kind of thing absolutely and what that's the i think that's the purpose too is is that we forget that that's what we really also need to focus on tremendously is patience and restraint not just what's the best thing to say what would heal it it's more yeah. energetically of down down boy down boy. <laughs> right? you know it's really like how to come down and way. this is coming from a cat person by exactly. the way there you go exactly <laughs> well that's why i gave you i gave it to you because you're the dog person I just want <laughs> yeah. to make sure you understand right but that's that's right i get that it is you know because i think so much of um the defensiveness is energetic it's not just arguing you know points of views it's also energetic you know mm. like there can be a, such a strong energy of you know, you're fucking wrong and i'm fucking right and yeah that could come across without having to say what i just said absolutely and that that takes away trust and i think the process of you know entering into repair because one of the things that we're talking about too is thinking that we're going to get it right right at that moment of of triggeredness as opposed to it's a a repair is a process afterwards it doesn't mean that you just have one conversation you have layered of conversation of awareness afterwards whether deeper apologies or different ownings or challenging it was to Uh to be in the face of somebody's you know your partner's 
vitriol or anger when you were just trying to be heartful. I just want to let you, mm. you could, you can have several conversations afterwards that I think is part of the repair process. Yeah. And you know what I'm, I'm getting, and I think I initially heard this from Gottman. Um, he says that repair isn't just something that happens after a fight or after a, 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 a bout of defensiveness and being triggered. It has to happen during it also. And so I'm really, again, I'm really kind of trying to catalog when me and my partner manage to do that, even when we're heated up. Yeah. So even in the throes of, of an argument, um, when you're just triggered up the wazoo, you try to make these little, little acts of repair, like for a moment, admit you're triggered and defensive or take some responsibility, Greg, for dropping the ball and whatever started this to begin with. Um, ask a little clarifying question, you know, or maybe just concede a point that your partner is making. Yeah. Con concede a point, you know, or maybe uh, she's done this, apologize for making a snarky remark in the middle of it, Exactly. you know, or reach out and offer a touch yeah. in the middle. Even when you're charged up, some soothing little touch or like you said, mirror something your partner said or ask for a little time out to cool down. So any one of these like little acts of repair during the argument, um, I think Gottman said they matter. They really matter. They don't go unnoticed. Even if the other guy doesn't acknowledge it verbally, they don't go unnoticed. And you know, even if they seem mechanical, like you, you were suggesting earlier at first, they're really important to do. And I'm really starting to get that repair. Isn't just something I do after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. That's a wonderful point because what I took from, from him was a lot of people here. He says we need a five to one ratio of five positive interactions to negative right. interactions to have a successful relationship. What he really yeah, said was those five to one ratio is when we are in conflict, not when we're outside of conflict. So uh -huh. it means that more successful couples do exactly what you said during conflict. They have positive oh, wow. interactions. I didn't remember you said that. A touch or owning or an apology or saying, you know what, honey, you might have a point or yeah. you know what I might, I might've gotten it wrong. Those are positive interactions and that's the five to one ratio. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I I hadn't remembered that. Mm -hmm. the, but the thing of being able to acknowledge I might have had that wrong yeah. is so freaking hard Oof. when you're when I'm in that Philadelphia lawyer, I gotta win mode. Yeah. Because I feel like I'm undercutting my own argument. I'm 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 conceding something to the prosecution. And you're not supposed to do that. No, and especially something that you know we we haven't talked about, but we know how big of a factor is 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 our upbringing. You know, how, how did that influence us to be defensive and to argue and to try to be right? I mean, that's oh a big God. one that people have to really look at. Yeah, and I think that really bears acknowledging, um, you know, just in terms of having compassion and patience for ourselves. Yeah. You know. Um, I remember in therapy years ago, um, I was, and this again is with my ex-wife, uh, couples counseling. I, I was defending my defensiveness whenever my wife, and this is how I remember putting it, twisted my words during arguments 
she's twisting my words. And I said, if this were a court, court of law and somebody made false statements about me, I'd be entitled to defend myself. And of course, you can imagine what the therapist said, Greg, relationship is not a court of law. Yeah. And I said to him, and you didn't grow up in my family. Mm. Mm. And doesn't mean I'm right, you know, but it means I was trying to stake a claim for what I was up against in letting it go. Yeah. This tactic, these tactics I had for defending myself or even the need to defend myself. Um, like you said, there's family of origin stuff that um, tutored us in how to deal with threats. But even what we're talking about, we're talking about defending ourselves, the ultimate thing that, you know, we're taught and in many primal levels we're supposed to fucking defend ourselves right mm -hmm. and if we don't defend ourselves we die so it is a huge coping mechanism so it's so hard to change or yeah. see where yeah. our defense being def defending of ourselves is, yeah. is is contra to a relationship that's going to be thriving and caring interesting the, yeah. you know that's actually a really good point the thing about the primal because this this shit doesn't just belong to me. No, uh, you know, um, being defensive doesn't mean I'm just mean that I'm unconscious or immature or neurotic or some wounded um, child. All of which are true. Um, kid who hasn't made peace with the wounding, even as a sixty six year old man. Um, the primal piece is in there too. I we are wired to be defensive at some level. I mean by evolution. Yeah. You know, you know, being defensive, um, in other words, protecting ourselves from external threats, you know, saber toothed tiger kind of scenario, help get us through evolution in one piece. That's right. And I figure that our ancestors, our forebears, um, had to defend themselves against their own vulnerabilities. And we were prey animals way the hell before we were predators. You know, and on one hand, the physical stuff, fight or flight response, uh, the immune system, that th those are defense mechanisms against physical stuff. Psychological defenses do the same thing for emotional stuff, right. threats to our sense of self and all that. Um, so that primal piece, again, I, I don't I don't mean to suggest this as a way of excusing my behavior, but just as something to respect, but also, of course, manage yeah you know but but i think also you know the evolution of that as you're saying is realizing how that came to be and how that served us but now we we can do it a different way to actually i like to think of it as i want to defend my relationship not myself oh so that's a good, good right in a good moment if i'm thinking mm. man let me let me go ahead and take that sacrifice around letting go of my righteousness my rightness and winning if I'm going to be, if anything I'm going to defend is defend my, my relationship, my connection, my Ooh. care, right? Ooh, that's, that's a whole different way of transforming yeah. the aspect of defending. So if I know that, that just gave me goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. Because that's so true. You know, when I, wow. when I'm really stepping up, I wanted to, I, I want to be known as a really good defender mm. of my relationship. Yeah, but what a paradigm shift that is. Yeah. To say nothing of how that would change the world if we right. did it collectively, not just individually. Yeah. Yeah. And even, you know, thinking about ourselves, if I can defend being the kind of man 
I'm a human being that I really want to be. You know, that's another level. I want to defend mm -hmm. myself in that, not my, my ego of righteousness. Defend. I want to be caring. I want to be compassionate. I want to mm -hmm. be accountable. I don't need to, to be right in the situation just so that I could feel good. Yeah. I don't feel good most of the time, even though when I am right. Mm -hmm. I feel when I, I can be right, but I can watch my wife shake her head and move away from me. What the fuck mm -hmm. is that? That doesn't, oh, yeah. don't feel right about that. Yeah, that's so painful. Mm -hmm. That's so profoundly painful. I, I guess there's also something to be said for, um, I don't know. Defensiveness has a bad rap. I mean, deservedly so in some ways. But, I mean, I'm thinking there's, there's healthy forms of defensiveness. I mean, I'm a defensive driver. That's a good thing. Mm. You know, I sometimes use humor to squeeze me through an awkward social situation. That that's a kind of defense against uh, anxiety. Um, you know, people um, compartmentalize toxic jobs so they don't poison their home life. That's a kind of defensive mechanism. Um, yeah. Hell, I mean, being in my line of work, I definitely have heard this. People have to suppress their anxiety and fear long enough to get through a speech mm. or a performance or a podcast even, you know. So I just want to take some of the booga booga off of defensiveness. It isn't always a bad thing. No, man. Sports teams, defense, defense. <laughs> you need a good defense. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So just you know, something to consider. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's just recognizing how, how we're being defensive. That's creating more of a disconnection. Cause like you're saying, those other ways create more, more of what we want, what we, what we need in, in that yeah. positive way. But, you know, I think, I think again, if, if we're not good at being comfortable, what you said before about like, recognizing or owning shit i might have said something stupid or bad or i might hurt uh -huh. somebody it, if we can own that more and not berate ourselves and not be afraid of it and just say i am a human being i recognize i make a mistake how can i make amends i want to i want to do it differently to be able to do it in a way that's empowering instead of victimizing and that we then don't get angry at the person for bringing it up because yeah. in some way you know, it'd be wonderful if our partner can bring it up in a non-critical way and 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 help us work through that part of ourselves that we don't like. Yeah, it comes out. It will come out harsh. We got to just be get more comfortable with the uncomfortableness of it. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, there's a part of me that I guess I'm thinking of the logic of confession there's a part of me that would love to come clean hmm. admit my mistakes acknowledge my guilt even my sense of shame um and uh, you know make amends or be absolved or something there's a there's a part of me that would love to do that even in the throes of of an argument um but it's really tough when the when it starts with not just um i'm hurt by something you did but it's that's delivered um harshly or impatiently or not compassionately you know they you know, just um 
with snarky remarks. It's it's tough enough to want to confess under the best of circumstances, no less when a when a problem is raised in a harsh sort of way. That's right. That's the animalistic um, part, right? Look kind of like a cat scratching at the other cat. That they got to defend <laughs> themselves by scratching really back fast. Yeah. Because it's prickly. Right. Yeah. Um, so I guess it really matters how we initially present something to a partner, something they said or did hurt our feelings or felt off or whatever. Um, it's really important to couch it compassionately. Maybe that's asking a lot, but it really matters how, which foot you start off on. You know what I mean? Soft startups. That's what John Gottman talks about. Soft startups. Soft starts. Yeah. Instead of harsh startups. Uh-huh. Coming in. Uh, instead of coming in harshly and attacking, you know, it can say, hey, I really care about our relationship and I want us to be able to flow and understand each other. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why you just went ahead and walked away when I was talking to you. Can you tell me what's going on? Yeah. It's very different than you're being rude, you know. Right. Walk away from me. Don't yeah. be disrespectful. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And even when you do, we, we had a, um, my partner and I had an interaction recently where, we had had, as far as I could tell, an agreement to go out to dinner together. And um, it was several hours in the future. But in the interim, she she made other plans with um, to include two or three other people in a, a dinner and not go out, just she and I, but stay and with our hosts and socialize. And normally that would be fine with me, except I felt hurt that she made plans um, independent of consulting me. Hmm. And so I started off, you see, I perceive at the time and in retrospect that I did it really softly. I said, so I um, wonder if you have some time to um, clear something up with me. I uh, then stated what I thought were the facts. Um, uh, I perceived that we had plans to go to dinner. You changed them. I wasn't consulted. And I feel kind of hurt and a little, I don't know, a little abandoned in all this. Um, and uh, wondered what happened for you. And she went in into some defensiveness. Um, well, we didn't actually have a full agreement, did we? Did we have a time and a place? And it's like, okay, here's one of those moments where it could go on or off the rails. Right. Yep. Right here. And um, I tried to stay calm and I ultimately was not able to mm -hmm. i felt like okay so um i'm feeling you're getting defensive and she said i don't want you diagnosing me mm -hmm. where where do you go with that well you know i feel you getting defensive can be also transformed into you know when you just said that 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 sentence i felt um uh, i felt uncomfortable by the way that you said that it's it's not sitting in me well. I would like to explore it with you. Yeah, you know it's something about more about hey, not what you're doing. I'm uncomfortable with the way that we're interacting. Sometimes when Rainbow and I get to, you know in a defensive thing, if one of us is able to go, man, I, I am so, I don't like that we're doing this right now. We're mm -hmm. we're, we're being funky to each other. Yeah. And maybe I think that she's 99.9% more funky than I. Like <laughs> we we are getting funky right now. Can we start, uh -huh. can we start over? You know, starting making agreements like one says, can we start over? It's kind of mean, 
can we do? Can we do a take two? Can we just let it go for the moment, mm-hmm. reconnect, and then we can come back to it later? And, and what would take two look like? Well, take how would two, that script go differently? Well, I think take take two is actually a part where you you started off, and and you started off knowing that you're making agreements ahead of time too about what a take two is. A take two means. I'm going to give my partner the benefit of the doubt that they're not there to hurt me, wrong mm. me, uh, attack me. Um, I, we want to we want to do this script where we're more understanding, more clear in our communication, more heartfelt. That's a take two. So if you talk about it before, like that's the energy, then you know that you're going to take two. You're not going to just all right. Let's start it up again and mm-hmm. and roll the roulette wheel and see where we come up with. <laughs> What yeah. reaction? It's yeah. intentional reaction. Yeah. So, okay. So what I'm hearing you say is um, restating it so that we're in this together. Um, I really value our connection. I feel disconnected by what what happened around the dinner arrangements. Um, not pointing any fin- fingers, but I feel um, like um, my need for clear understanding or being cared for didn't get met and I feel hurt by that. Uh, that sound a little bit more. Yeah, that sounds like it. And that maybe the agreement again is, you know, you just had stage, you know, the one part about defensiveness is if somebody expresses like what you just expressed, there's not the rebuttal is not a rebuttal and explanation of her being defensive. It's more about for her now to kind of stay focused on you to make sure that you're heard. Cause if you're yeah. really heard and felt like she's hearing you, and seeing you in a certain way, now you have capacity to hear her. And then it's not going to be defensive. She's yeah. explained her her uh, experience and her feelings, and you could be just present with that. Yeah. And then it's not about if you're trying to, who's going to be right and who's going to be wrong. Yeah. And you know what comes up for me too is the sense of fairness. Hmm. Is And now maybe partly that's because I'm a twin. Yeah. And fairness is a paramount virtue. <laughs> and... um but i'm i'm really getting it that if i can have the wherewithal to surrender yeah. in a moment um you know if i'm ca- relatively calm and i'm saying this something hurt me and she gets really triggered um that's about her that's what that's about her like you said well yeah but i was going to say that what if i switched allegiances and i said okay so right now it seems like you're actually more charged than I am. Let's take care of you. Ooh, yeah. Um, but that, what that w- would require from me is a kind of surrender. And I think I've got the idea in my, in my brain, like maybe a lot of people do that surrender is weakness. It's not strength or surrender is defeat. It isn't liberation. And so anyway, surrender feels like I'm giving up my strength, my power, my um, something self-regard even um for somebody else but that seems like a really important um turning point right there yeah um at least in matters of love absolutely and and you know i want to look at it too greg when when you said that something came up for me around maybe maybe there's a difference around feeling i'm going to surrender now to to think you know what um i'm I'm going to let her have the stage because I know that I'm going to get my experience of expressing myself and be known. It's kind of like I 
I know that I'm, I deserve to have that experience because I make it easy for people to respect me. I'm going to get that respect. Mm-hmm. There's something about like more of a confidence that I'm going to find the time to actually really express myself to be heard. So I'll get my turn. Uh-huh. Like, it's not like me pushing for my turn now. I know I'll get it. I'll make uh-huh. it happen. I'll create yeah. it, but not now. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's that's a trust thing that and and it's and it's borne itself out actually in my relations with this person is if I make that kind of a gesture, and I've done it a few times, um, if I let go and give her, as you put it, the stage, um she will give it back to me. Hmm. Um, I don't know, haven't always trusted that I'll get that my need met if I give it up to her. Um, but she is, she has said this to me on a number of occasions. She says, when you concede, you give me permission to concede Mm. when you, when I see softness in your eyes and I'm almost quoting her here, when I see softness in your eyes and I hear it in your voice, when you listen and you ask me questions um, definitely when you admit to your own fear and vulnerability, it helps me um, connect to my own and I can let go of the fight. So I just really need to continue to trust that um, I don't need to get the first word in edgewise. I don't need to get the last word in edgewise. I don't need to go first. Um, if I'm the one who's feeling something doesn't necessarily mean I need to have the stage first. If she gets really triggered, I don't want to flood her even more by arguing with her. Just let it go, Greg. Yeah. And I think there's something, what she's communicating to me is um, when I see that um, softness in you, it helps me to soften. Yeah. Basically your response is an inspiration for her to respond. Right. And I think especially around apologies, when people do that, when one person usually apologizes, it really inspires and gives permission for the other one to feel that they're able to be that vulnerable and own. Right. So it's not giving up. It's actually, again, defending the relationship by, by, by doing something that's going to feed the relationship and ultimately probably get you what you want back. Yeah. 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 Which is when I, you know, when I um, deconstruct all these episodes afterwards, it's reconnection. Yeah. But I really, want is to be loved and appreciated and respected and forgiven sometimes. Um, But I want the repair. I want, um, I want to feel um, reconnected. Right. And also Greg, I'm going to throw this in, you know, you know that I've talked a lot about visualization to me. This is a great, this is what I do a lot in my own life and relationship around changing a behavior like defensiveness. I'll go back to a, to the conflict and replay it in my mind all the way to the moment that I felt triggered and defensive and feel that mm-hmm. rise and mm-hmm. in my new mind's eye. I just take a breath. And then I say the next best thing that I can think that would better the situation in my new movie. And I only do me. I don't picture what other people would respond to only me. And then I replay that movie over and over and over again. Now my body believes, it it believes the lie. It believes that that's how I behaved. Mm -hmm. I do it over and over and over again because 
what we usually do is we play the old movie over again and say, shit, I wish I didn't do that. Oh man, I don't like that. Uh-huh. That's just reinforcing our unconscious body to respond that way because yeah. we're seeing it all the time. Yeah, that's great. Right. So because to me, that's an unconscious automatic response is that defensive response. I need yeah. to replace it with an unconscious automatic response that's more connecting. Yeah. And so and that takes practice. That takes practice. Exactly. Exactly right. And a lot of people, I, I always tell people, I don't want to guarantee something, but if you fucking do it, it will work. <laughs> people just don't do it. Even me, yeah. I don't. So what I do is I record the narrative on my phone and I have mm-hmm. this new narrative. And then I just sit back and play it like a meditation tape over and over and over and over. Yeah, I know. Right. And you know, it's like, it didn't take me this long to get this far out on a limb. <laughs> you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to have to, um, it isn't going to take me a short period of time to get back is my no. point. Right. And I think that that numbers game you're describing is really spot on. Yeah. Um, I remember when, um, remember this, thing malcolm gladwell said some years ago he was talking about mastery in any pretty much any field of endeavor takes a minimum of ten thousand hours remember that yeah the ten thousand hours of dedicated practice yeah. um he was quick to correct people when they quoted him on that by saying i mean practicing good habits not bad ones <laughs> and you know i my first reaction was ten thousand hours jesus i did the math on it it's 90 minutes a day for 20 years and I'm like, I just want to skip ahead to the part where I'm awesome. <laughs> you know? So, your, but your point is really well taken. It's, uh, and we've been starting to do that. We'll just be driving in the car and some little thing will come up and she'll go, Hey, I've got, I've got one we can practice on. Hmm. And it'll be some little thing that isn't likely to trigger a big scene, but we get to play it out and practice right. so that the muscle gets built. Yep. Yep. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. right. It's got to be in practice because when game time comes, which is the conflict and the trigger, you're jacked. Just like when when people are performing in front of thousands of people, they yeah. think of what yeah. they do. They, they like, practiced over and this. over and over again. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And uh, you know, I I just remember this therapist that I've mentioned a couple of times, you know, the couples counselor. Um, and I think, I guess therapists have heard this before or used it before. At one point he said, so I really have one basic question for you, Greg. Do you want to be right or do you want to be close? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the question you need to ask yourself in the moment when you get triggered. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good one. And me. another one is don't take it. You know, I say to myself, fuck, don't take yourself so fucking seriously, Brebo. Mm. Uh-huh. You know, that brings me back. Don't take myself so seriously. Or, you know, that thought about I can fucking die in 10 minutes. She could too. Like, is this, mm-hmm. is this worth it? Like, there's mm-hmm. something about stopping the momentum of that, that building of that defensiveness and go, whoa, 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 whoa. You know? Yeah. Yeah. What do I really want here? Yeah. What do I really want? That's right. It, which is closeness, connection, love, not to be right. Right. But boy, oh boy, just to offer a gracious, obedient bow to the freaking juggernaut Mm. of um, the habit, the habit of rushing to the barricades, rushing to my defense. It's like just, it's just, I just really want to honor it. It's, 
it's a force to be reckoned with. And I don't want to try to rise above it or make an end run around it. I just really need to face into and go, that's true. I do feel defensive. I have my whole life and I'm well-practiced in it. And it's multi-generational and it's historical. And as you said, it's primal. And in this moment, I'm thinking of um, Victor Frankl. Remember Mr. Uh, uh, Man's Search for Meaning? Yep. Mm -hmm. um, he said the one thing they cannot take from you, and he's talking about life in a concentration camp. The one thing they cannot take from you is your power to decide how you're going to respond to whatever happens to you. That's right. Yep. That is the yeah. internal freedom of response, how we're going to respond to situations. Right. Yeah. There you go, man. That's true. Wow, juicy me. topic. Yeah, baby. I love <laughs> it. Thank you. Thank you for uh, for putting it out there and yeah, and, uh, yeah just mixing it up and, and sharing some things that are up in your life around it. Yeah. And thank you for your um your wisdom and mm. your hard won wisdom and mm. your your just your heartfulness. I mean you're just really oh, thank a you. shining example of how to make this stuff work mm. in in real time, boots on the ground. So I appreciate that. Before we go, I want to tell this one last story about that because I haven't tried it yet, but I want to try it. Um, I was listening to a book uh, uh, read by Terry Terry Real, another um, mm, yeah. therapist. Yeah, his latest book, Us. And he told of, uh, I think I'm getting the story kind of correct, but he told of a story of a couple who's the, the man in the, in the relationship is a Zen priest. And they asked, like, what's it like to be married to a Zen priest? And she goes, oh, it's just a trip. We were, had got into it, you know, one day and, and uh, I was being hurt and, and being defensive and, and trying to explain myself. And he just dropped to the floor and he said, and he started kissing my feet and he said, you know what the problem here? The problem is that these beautiful feet are not getting enough attention. They're just not getting <laughs> enough attention. And she goes, how the hell do you argue with that? <laughs> <laughs> my God. Right. Wow. I wonder what would happen if I tried that tactic. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, let's, uh, we'll report to each other after we do it. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. But in some way, wow, that's right. Surrendering to it, let it yeah, go. And, and yeah. And yeah. definitely defusing yeah, the exactly. situation. Yeah. That's mm. great. <laughs> great story. Right. I love you, my man. I miss you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Same here. Yeah. Well, hopefully soon. All right. All right, brother. Relationships, Let's Talk About It, is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more about licensed counselor Prebo Teplitsky, visit prebo.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling or therapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice.